0: The podcast is brought to you by Soccer90. 90. Soccer90 90 is your source for all FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and anything international club gear. Everything from jerseys to scarves to tees and more. And all third-degree listeners receive 25% off on all that gear when you buy it and use the code Third Degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. I believe this one is titled episode number 140. Hi, I'm Peter. I know he's full of jolly good cheer, Dan Crook. Hi, Dan.
1: Uh, I see, old chap. What in the name of Greek buggery was that
0: voice all about? (laughs) Pip, pip, cheerio. Just wanted to do something different i'm tired of reading it the same way every time Maybe i mean it, it was entertaining yeah i'll do it in robot peter voice next time how about that at the end of the pop button. that'll we'll tease that that's a Ooh. treat uh and uh, the closest thing we got to a soccer santa in these parts the editor and founder of ThirdDegree.net, buzz carrick come in buzz
2: a uh, Domo argato mr bato <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: That's better than Jimmy Buffett lyrics. Yeah,
2: you were going to do a robot voice. So I was just setting you up.
0: I know. I know. Yeah, I
2: think yeah. that's a good callback. I like that. I like yeah. that.
0: All right. So, uh here we are. I can't believe it on the heels of the second worst season in club history, you'd think we would avoid talking about anything having to do with the club and just huddle up into a warm ball in front of a fire and watch uh, reruns of Friends or something. But no, here we are talking about, because we got so much to discuss about the club we love, FC Dallas. And with all the things going on, I'm going to use my best instincts as a broadcaster, and I guess now podcaster, uh, and go with the topic du jour, which is the fate of Pepe, which is a high toned talking point around social media and other parts these days and uh it does appear by all reporting that Dan Hunt has decided to bring a knife to a gunfight in terms of talking to the media to make his case and while I think he's uh, just blowing hot air and has actually no realistic belief in his heart that Pepe's playing here in 2022. Buzz based on some of the comments I've seen you made in your discord and on Twitter I think, I believe, that when Dan is making his case that Pepe will be here next year, you
2: think he's being genuine. I genuinely think that he genuinely thinks that they have a shot to keep Pepe. I, I definitely do. It's, and it's not just the language, it's the, the couple of times that um, it has been a, a media available interview, You know, like the press conference for the coach hire, for example. Um, when you hear his voice, To me, I've heard his voice enough. To me, he sounds like he genuinely believes it. He doesn't sound like a guy that is fibbing, you know, or or knows that is like speaking out of his his uh, you know cuff or something. In the sense that he probably understands that the the odds are long, but I think he genuinely is hopeful and genuinely is planning for the guy to be here. You know, he did Pepe did sign a deal through twenty twenty six. You know, they they don't have to sell him if they don't want to. Um, Now, it doesn't make a lot of business sense to not sell him eventually. I think the question is just when, you know, this club, it would really benefit the club to keep Pepe for one more year. Um, And the, the thing that I did the other day that maybe you're referring to is I looked up the exact date they announced the deal, and it was three days after he scored that hat trick. And since that hat trick, Pepe scored four goals. So... When when Pepe signed that deal, it was all about I'm so happy for the club to give me a chance. I'm so happy this new deal is awesome. I'm so excited to play for this team and prove that I'm the man and all that stuff. And now four goals later, it's sell me or else, you know. So I I don't know that Pepe necessarily is like is the I got to get out of here. I think all this stuff is coming from the agents, his agents, and so I'm not convinced that they're the superstars of international transfer that. Dan Hunt is also not so. It's going to be a car wreck for the next, uh, you know, three or four months while we wait and see what happens. I mean, the window doesn't even open until January, so you know it'll be fascinating to watch from the outside. That's for sure.
0: Dan, I, I'm going to guess that you find all of this highly amusing. Yeah, um, I,
1: I'd really love to know where uh, where Pepe's family found this agent, um, because I would have done it for. Ten dollars less, not creamed my <laughs> pants in public and tried to hold Dan Hunt to ransom.
2: <laughs> okay, well... I also
1: have th- a massive list of zero
0: clients. Right, yeah, you yeah. are uh, well-schooled in the in the skills of uh, international player trading and sales and, and so forth. I uh, have been involved yeah, so- in a few. Yeah. Okay. Well. So I guess that's the question. Is uh, Dan? So you're saying that you think it's Pepe's people that are uh, that are screwing this up, and not not the Hunts and uh, Zanata.
1: I'm, I'm saying if if he went with Wasserman or one of those agencies that does this all the time, we wouldn't hear this. Uh, you know. Sticking your hand up Roger Gonzalez's ass and whoever else to try and uh, you know control the narrative with US national team fans. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we've all spoken to Pepe a bunch of times, and he's not that undesperate to do anything kind of guy. He's just the he's very much a follows the flow of things, and he just has his end goals. Mm. It, it okay. doesn't sound like him or or his family from the times that you know they've been involved in in anything publicly.
0: Well, I think that's a good that's a good piece of nuance to discuss because if in fact suddenly uh, Dan and Clark have decided to go hardball on keeping a player who at least on a public front from his side is expressing a desire to leave, that would be a very much a change in attitude from the Hunts because. The list of players that they have acquiesced to that have wanted to leave this club and came to them, whether it was good or bad for the club at the time, is an impossibly long list. Mauro Diaz, Kellen Acosta, Cobra, Ned Yalkoff, Zimmerman, Barrios, I mean, those are just the ones off the top of my head. So to suddenly now play hardball with Ricardo Pepe just doesn't seem... It just doesn't. It it just seems completely out of line with how the, they typically do business. So uh, maybe this is just a a function of Pepe's people. I'm doing air quotes, uh, thinking I they're think, doing their job right.
1: I think the motive's there for them to play hardball because you just came out the second worst season in team history. Uh, you've got your supporters are completely uh, savaging you on. On social media, you've got one good thing right now, and that's Ricardo Pepe. So if you let him walk that easily, uh, you know, while saying, "Yeah, we're we're really uh, looking forward to uh, making the playoffs again after hiring uh, another coach with potentially less experience than the last one," and you know, it's you, you've got to, you've got to have some message and you've got to have some reason to say, "Hey, guys, stick with us. Hey, new people, come try us out."
0: okay so so buzz is this a function of the hunt saying he's not going anywhere period the end because we need him and want him here for 2012 or 2022 or is this a function of yeah we this is what we would prefer to have happen but if you want to pay us whatever the millions of dollars figure they have in their head is we're happy to let him go
2: well it's both uh first and foremost you know, it, not the national team supporters, but the local FC Dallas supporters have been blasting them for years now for, why don't we keep some of these people? Why do we keep selling everybody? Imagine how good this team would be if we kept these guys. Well, okay, let's keep Pepe. You know, that's a guy that they've invested with since he was 13 years old, basically. Um, they know that if they sell him this winter, the rebuild next year becomes significantly harder. Uh, you're trying to build a fan base. You're trying to build an audience. You're trying to keep up with the people in the league who are dropping $15 million to buy a player. If you, if you have the kid under contract for four or five more years at what is a large sum for an 18-year-old, to be fair, in MLS and for the hunts, not in the world, but for the, this, for this, for the scene, the context. But then you have to understand, too, that if you're in the business of buying and selling players, you have a valuation for the player. And whatever that is, I think it's 15 million, but whatever they think it is, the, the prices that keep getting thrown around by um, these leaks from Pepe's agent are that the price is now up to 13. Well, OK, that's not the price, right? If it's not the price, then don't say, oh, yeah, yeah we're about to do the deal. Wait for the price. And, and on top of that, the window doesn't open until January. So and then all this noise that the Pepe's people are making right now is effectively meaningless because nothing can be done. Till January. Now you can be discussing it, and you can get it all lined up, and I'm sure that there are discussions going on. But I think that this the value to Pepe in this club is is double is is mixed. You know, much of the value is going to be the potential sale. Well, that sale will happen if, no matter what at some point, barring an injury, right? He's they're going to get the money when, at some point. If they can just delay it a little bit, then they can get the other half of his value, which is the first, the first player ever this club has had, a kid, an academy kid, that has been transcendent. This is the Weson McKinney, but you kept him. So I, I really think they're 100% genuine that they would absolutely love to keep Pepe last year, and we're keeping them unless you come in with the real money that we want. If you don't come in with the real money we want, forget it, we're keeping them. Okay, so
0: that then leads me to the quotes uh, where... You know, Dan Hunt decided to answer a question asked to him by somebody from Aldea. So while Pepe's people are out reaching out to national people and, and trying to feed uh, make their case that way, the hunts, by and large in the club have said nothing and and, and I'm frankly I'm somewhat surprised that Dan Hunt responded or off, offered uh, what he said to the guy from Aldea. I forgot his name off the top of my head. It's uh, Abraham Abraham Nadelstaff. Thank you very much. You said that better than I could. And, he, you know, uh, Hunt's quotes in there. Now, I think the the way that, you know, it was written Aldea and then it was translated for the morning news and the headline of the morning news, I don't think was fair to Dan Hunt. I think it kind of was (laughs) clickbaity in some ways, um, in, in many ways, actually. Uh But the gist of it was Dan making the case of, hey, you know, if Pepe really wants to play in the World Cup next winter, his best, you know, the best path for him to do that is to stay here in Dallas and score goals for Dallas and help us win a championship. And, and I guess I understand where he's coming from, but my big takeaway from that is is, would it not make sense for Dan Hunt to put his money where his mouth is? And go to Pepe's people and say, "Look, we really believe in this. We want to win a championship. We know we're the best option for Pepe to get him to the World Cup. If, in fact, that's you know Ricardo's number one priority out of all of this, and I'm not 100% sure that it is. Um, how about this? We'll sign you to another new deal worth more money than you could possibly turn down, which would be you know Frank O'Hara money plus 10% just." because he
2: deserves to pay a penalty for signing a for a two million dollar deal. Uh, absolutely yes that's look, if you want to make the kid happy now first let me say that Dan Hunt is on a certain level he's correct. Uh, if he stays here, Pepe, he's a guaranteed starter right and he and he'll have a much better chance to score goals. I know you know this, but the people listening. No, know, no, no, no. I, I, I'm going to push back on that because everybody says
0: that, and I'm, I'm pushing back that that's not a guarantee. He could, look, to your point, Buzz, he's scored four goals since he signed his contract. He could yeah. have a Daryl DK-like fall from grace between now and November of next year. Whoa. and Or he could break a leg, or any number of things could happen. Yeah. And, uh, and then he would have by, bypassed the deal, in theory, to Atletico or Liverpool or Club Bruges or whatever it is.
2: Yeah. Well, all that's true anywhere that he goes. But uh, the, the point is, is that I'm sure that there would be a guarantee that you're starting here um, if, if you're staying. Now, he can go to Europe and get the same things. It depends on where you choose to go. It, so it isn't necessarily MLS versus Europe. It's Guaranteed to play versus not guaranteed to play. What you don't want to have happen is the Brian Reynolds, where you end up at Roma sitting on the bench and don't never play. You spend a whole year without playing. That's what you don't want to have happen. Because then you just end up in the January camp, and that's not going to get you in the World Cup team. So that's the first part is that while Dan's idea that it's, FC Dallas is the best choice, it's not necessarily FC Dallas. It's play versus not play. So the second half of this, Peter, and you're absolutely correct, is if you really want to keep Peppy and keep him happy, you go to Pepe and you say, we'll lop some years off of the deal. We'll give you significantly more money, you know, whatever it's going to be, a million, a million, five, whatever. If you want to give him $3 million, that's fine, whatever it is. Or or you give him a little less, but you give him a Reggie Tannen type situation, a thing that forces their hand to then move you in a year or two. Right. So or some sort of clause in the contract that says, if I score 20 goals, then you have to sell me or something. There, there are contractual ways to make it work for Pepe to sweeten the pot for Pepe. If what you really want is to make him stay for one, convince him to stay for one more year, then there's ways to do it. Now, the thing that to me that really jumps out about the one more year thing is that there's no way in one season Dallas is going from second worst season in club history, bottom of the, near the bottom of the table to contend for MLS Cup. It's not going to happen in one season. So if you only want Pepe for one season, it's not about winning a championship. It's it's about something else. It's about building a fan base. It's about selling the franchise. It's about maybe you think, hell, it'd be worth more money in a year from now. Whatever it is, the club has to decide how much is it worth to you and can we negotiate with the young man and his agents to make it worthwhile to them to help you with that project, right? So whatever it is you want, and, it, and based on how much they're putting Pappy's name in all the marketing materials and the fact they're hiring a VP of marketing uh, that's by the, in the next month and all that kind of stuff that they've been talking about. And we remember, we found the job listing or whatever. So it's clear they want to do something. If you want the young guy to be involved, go to him, negotiate something new. He was never going to be here through 2026. So offer some years off in order to get him to stay. Hmm. All right, so uh,
0: has has anybody's attitude changed on the likelihood of him actually playing here uh, next season since the last time I asked this question on the podcast? But, uh, Dan, I'll ask you first.
1: I mean, either way, he's still under a five-year contract, and if the right money comes in, the right money comes in.
0: If it doesn't, he's playing here. Okay, that is not an answer to the question I asked you, sir. That's I asked you, has your, personal, has your opinion or attitude changed? Not theirs, yours. Do you think anything's changed with the, uh, with the verbiage that we've seen in the last week?
1: No, I think their intentions have been a little more uh, emboldened, I guess would be the way to put it. Um, but I don't think anything... You know, I don't think anything like my attitude of if, if I feel he's going to play here next year has
2: changed. Hmm. Buzz? Yeah, I, my percentage chances are going up. Um, the, and I'll explain that the more that the agents leak stuff and the more that they annoy Clark, the more that uh, we, we hear the team talking about all, how they're going to build this whole thing around him and spend all this money uh, for marketing and blah, blah, blah. You know, I I I'm finding that in my personal vibe, I'm starting to believe them more that they really do mean this. So, I mean, I still think it's a very high percentage chance that he's gone, but it's not as high in my mind. I think when we started this process, that was like 90, 95. percent Well, now I'm down to about like 50 50. I really. Well, uh, you
1: know. How much talk do we need to get until Clark says you're under contract for five years? You are not going anywhere. You are not even playing for FC Dallas. You will play for North Texas SC, and let's see if
2: Greg picks you then. Oh, I don't think it'll go that far. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah.
0: again, Dan, they've never, ever done that in the history of this club. They've never not, act, they've never not allowed a player to leave when they've made the request, As, even s- in cases where it was a terrible, a terrible result for the club.
1: Oh, I agree. They've, they've also never had uh, the, the amount of money that's on offer.
2: Yeah, I I I put I put Pepe in the same uh group as Paxson and Jesus that they really want to keep these guys. You know, there's different kinds of homegrowns, yeah. you know, different takes and mentalities and different philosophies and how much they badly they well, want a guy. I think yeah, Pepe's was, not Peppy's not Tanner.
1: No, we, we don't know you know, we, we know what the agent said to a couple of reporters. We don't know what Pepe's conversations have been like with S C Dallas. Yeah. Now, There is the variable of, you know, maybe Dan and Clark have sat there and said, well, hold on, if he stays here and he scores in the World Cup as an FC Dallas player, his value probably goes up at least 50% on
0: top of whatever it is currently. But that is counterintuitive to everything that Clark Hunt took away from the Cox School of Business at SMU. He is not a risk taker in that manner, from a business standpoint. It, it just, you know, my attitude hasn't changed. I think it's, I think it's ninety percent sure that he is not playing here next year because they will get an offer for too much money that they for them to pass up. I don't know if that number is ten million. I don't know if it's a hundred million. I don't know what the number is. And I do think Pepe wants to go, and 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 I, I man, I just don't think it, it, it's likely to happen.
2: I, I think if you get the number, you're probably right, Peter. I'm not sure they're getting the number right now. That's the thing. It's like well, it's because are, it's November. Well, it's December, but the numbers that are I mean, bouncing, December, yeah, the numbers that are bouncing around right now are not the numbers to me that make it happen. So you know, right now, I okay. think it's a stay. We'll see. Uh, at
1: least they haven't done like Orlando when, you know, the the price for DK was, what, 10, 12. And that was a fair fairish number. And they were like, no, 20 or nothing. And kind of just, like, killed the transfer. Apparently killed his career. Um, you know, at least they're kind of, you know, trying to sort of still keep it as, well, we're either keeping him or, or there is this magic number. Not like, oh, we're going to put a stupid amount on it.
0: Well, uh, I am fascinated by the back and forth uh, between everybody. Again, it's way too early in this process. I, you know, I was trying to think. I, they don't. He doesn't play an official national team game again until the end of the transfer window. So I'm going to guess, by and large, this will all be settled and done by the time that game against El Salvador. But they do have a friendly coming up here in, was it next week?
1: Yeah, Bosnia. Don't
0: they play Bosnia Herzegovina next week or this yep. week? Yep. Yeah. You know, if he if he hit if he drops a couple of bombs there, I think the the noise will just go up. Or if he plays poorly, I think that also changes, um, uh, you know, his situation. It's a it's super fluid, uh, and it, it is fascinating. And it also feels like two sides, uh, very very immature at this process. Uh, yeah. You know, not playing cards very well. That's yeah, for sure. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's move on to other topics. I guess uh, there's lots to discuss, including the fact that uh, now while we've uh, mentioned it, the the new coach is officially in-house. Nico Estevez is here. He had a press conference. Um, seems like a nice guy.
2: Yeah, he does seem genuine. Uh, I think it's funny that depending on who was talking at the press conference, his name is either Estevez or Estevez. Um, I guess we'll have to find out which one it is. Um, I thought I heard
0: him say it Estevez.
2: Yeah, he's got the accent above
1: the second E, so be Estevez.
0: I, I yeah. That's
2: what I thought too. And then three or four people called him Estevez. So <laughs> I
1: was just. Yeah, that was funny. They also thought he was related <laughs> to Charlie Sheen.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fair point. Um, yeah, yeah he, he seems genuine. You know, it's definitely mostly bilingual. His English uh, is ever so little bit not perfect, but, you know, it's still plenty good and better, way better than my Spanish. By far, for sure, um, there was some fun takeaways from that press conference. Um, you know, he the, the biggest one for me was something we we've talked about I think before was that uh, when when Zenata was talking about him, and they and he said that he just identified the guy and went and asked Greg for permission. So it's not like. You know, they talked about all these 200 candidates or whatever that sent them all their resumes. Well, the guy they hired is the one guy that didn't send him a resume. They like went after him. And so I can't help but think since Andre said that he started the process the minute Lucci departed. In my mind, that means that he probably was calling about Andre right away and almost had the guy in mind. And that all this other stuff was just backups and smoke screens. I mean, I'm reading between the lines there, but it sure seems like Andre had an infatuation with the guy. Um, You know, and they really seemed super jazzed about this incredible resume and experience that's transcendent world awesome or something. Um, I mean, he's got a fair amount of experience, but I don't think that it's transcendent transcendent by any means. I do like his resume well enough. Um, But for me, it's a flip. That's weird. It's like the guys outside the Hunt family and they went after him rather than letting him just be one of the people that applied. So those things are different and those differences jump out to me, you know.
0: I mean, I suppose you look at his resume, and, and I, yeah, it's it's fascinating to me that the club has been putting out a, a bunch of materials in the last week, really trying to hammer home this track record of uh, coaching experience. And, you know, yeah, he has more experience than Lucci had um, when they hired Lucci, but it wasn't head coaching experience, at least not anything you could substantially point to at a, at a, at a top-flight level. Uh, and. And I, and that also, I mean, I think there's a whole side story to that. Like, why does the club feel the need to do that? Well, for obvious reasons. And and are they making a good case for him? And I, I don't know. I mean, it all just feels, you know what, Buzz and Dan, this all feels like we're just back at square one and starting over again.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There, there was a telling quote, I thought, from uh, Nico himself, where he said that there's this story that Dallas tells about how, Nico turned down other interview opportunities. The people that were interested in him, and then he told a story about, you know, a little while back in the past, whenever it was, well before Dallas had called him, that he was just talking to Bearholder, who's basically his mentor at this point, you know, when about when the time would be right for Nico to take a head coaching job of his own and what, what would be a good club to go to for his first opportunity to be a head coach is basically what he said. So to, I agree with you that some of the things in his resume that are head coachy are very, are like North Texas or Academy level. You know, it's like, it's reserve team level. So this is his first real senior team coaching job. So again, that fits the profile we went, we got from uh, Andre's prior hires where he likes to give guys first jobs you know, he talked a lot about the relationships, the pre-existing relationships with the academy players and the homegrowns that are in the FC Dallas first team. He talked about being uh, the thing that was so enticing about FC Dallas was the the whole club philosophy that he would have input down through the academy and that he would have input at North Texas. And there's this overall club idea, this development idea that he really was attracted to. And that he and Bearhalter talked about FC Dallas basically as a a good place to go. I'm sure there were others, you know, so it's sometimes it's interesting to me to hear other people's outside opinions of the club. And there seems to be an infatuation going on here between Nico and the club and Andre and, and you know, the whole thing, which is interesting. You know, that's, it's not how we think of the, the higher process goes. And so um, yeah, but, but it's going to be – I find that fascinating.
0: It's hard not to be infatuated when you get offered a head coaching gig of only one of 28 yeah. similar gigs,
2: right? Well, he turned down some, obviously, so Well, some no, of them so hold right. on a
0: sec. I want to I push back on that because that's one of those things that I think the Hunt and people and Zanata are saying, but is when you really start to press on that, you start to realize they're not – that's kind of a spin because I can't find anybody – in the soccer uh, universe that can point me to an MLS club that was talking to uh, Nico Estevez for a head coaching gig. What I can find are people that said, yes, there were there were clubs interested in having him as an assistant coach. Uh,
2: maybe so. Uh, you know, he doubled down on that story saying that clubs called and he was like, no, thanks. Well, basically. but did
0: they now, now, wait, that's where I want you to read between the lines. Did Zanata or anybody from FC Dallas say that there were MLS clubs talking to him about head coaching positions? Because that's the part that is missing from all the quotes I've read that now start to add up as to because it made no sense to me. If you had an opportunity to go be the head guy at a club like Cincinnati that's willing to blow out billions of dollars or LAFC or any of these other gigs, oh, Chicago, where he already lives, why would you pick FC Dallas? And it suddenly became clear to me as I talked to people, it's because Dallas is the only one that offered him a head coaching gig.
1: He did say that, you know, the. He, he, when they said FC Dallas, it wasn't just FC Dallas. It was the development-y, kind of Columbus like atmosphere, which you know maybe if Chicago had called him and said, "Hey, we're going to invest in youth," maybe Chicago is an option.
0: Yeah, I get. Like I said, it all feels like they're starting over from square one. I have no sense if this guy's worth his uh, worth a grain of salt. I'm not super impressed with his resume. I you know he's not. I, I don't know. I just feel well, like there were other people out there that they could have they could have hired that were way more experienced, but at this point, it's a weird one, right? Like, I'm glad they went outside the normal circles. I'm glad they didn't hire somebody that was already in the club. But it then doesn't surprise me that they turn around and hire a guy that essentially only has slightly more experience than the guy they fired. And I think the proof in the pudding of that is that the guy they fired ends up taking the guy they hired's gig. Like, that whole thing is really, really weird to me.
1: Uh, my takeaway at the time, uh, I, I was on the Zoom call in my car. By the time and I was like, okay, he said the right things. That's good. Still not really, you know, convinced that his his experience is really what uh, this MLS club needs to get back to the previous level or to the next level. By the time I got back to my office, I was like. Oh, he said the right things because he's the first coach that we've heard who's had media
0: training in nearly a decade. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that may be the one best yeah. thing he got from being with the national team.
2: Yeah, uh, I, Peter, I agree with you. You're correct that it's it's. We have no idea what we're getting here because we've never seen him head coach anything. You know, you, it's it's interesting because it's outside the Clint family. It's interesting because. The things he likes about FC Dallas are the things Lucci likes about FC Dallas. There's a lot of similarities in them in that way. You know, we're going to have to wait and see how this one goes. There's not a lot of evidence that's like, oh yeah, this is an amazing hire. They've knocked it out of the park. We're we're only going to find out when we actually see the guy work. You know, we you have to never forget. I think you know the context of how much this job pays. You know, the the troubles you're going to have with the hunts. You're never going to get that big paycheck. You know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. uh, 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 while there are, of course, way better candidates out there, you know, are they actually somebody that the Hunts could get? Is the thing? It's like as much as we would have all loved Hugo Perez, it's like would Ugo have taken this job? I, I don't. I don't think so. So it's like, or I mean, I don't. Who am I? I don't know. You know, I don't know Hugo Perez. I'm just saying. Like the guys that have the resume, like if you're coming off the El Salvador national team job, you probably think I'm going to move up to a better national team or I'm going to move up to like a club that's got like a marquee, right? I'm not, not going to go to SC, SC Dallas, which is like a job people take when they're an assistant looking for their first gig. So it's what you get here.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing that came out of this was that I guess Ferruzzi uh, has somehow uh, worked himself back into a, 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 a regular coaching role moving forward. or what? I, I was lost about all of that.
1: So they <laughs> said John Arnold asked if, uh, if he would go back to his existing role, the director of soccer operations. Andre said he'd have a new role. Uh, which Marco said repeatedly he said he he's not an office guy. He wants to be coaching, doing something on the training field. He, you know, every day he'd be out there just kind of itching to go and put his cleats on. Um, so what I found was I was actually looking up what his title was because I couldn't remember, and his title on the FC Dallas website by that time had changed to director of methodology, which was Nico Estevez's, uh title original title at columbus which in theory would allow him to kind of go around all the youth teams and that put his boots on put his tracksuit on and, and have a bit of fun coaching and coach some coaches and kind of make sure that the first team methods are followed throughout the entire club which is kind of what he wants to to do right to 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 have that time on the practice field
0: isn't that just director of coaches it's yeah, the same
2: thing yeah it's just a different okay. phrase. And, yeah I, I predicted that if that's indeed the job they give him that he will not stay here very long no
1: because he said <laughs> I mean I, I've never heard him say anything about leaving you know obviously when Oscar left he stayed because he was like I'm gonna take over from Oscar uh, but before the last game of the season he said I want to be on a sideline whether that's here or somewhere else
2: yeah I th- uh, that's yeah. what I think too is that You know, they'll give him something because he's been here for so long. So he'll be able to, you know, have a job and get paid. But I, without knowing anything about him, I haven't asked him about it yet. Uh, I, my gut instincts is that he'll immediately start looking for a job coaching somewhere, whether it's college or USL or, you know, assistant with another team. Um, That's, that's pretty clear to me at this point.
0: Has there been any uh, noise ab- about what they plan to do roster wise, or they, you know, are they waiting for the season to end, or uh, you know, I guess the transfer window hasn't opened, so I guess there's not too much going on. But is there any sense from Nico himself that he has identified positions of need?
1: There's no sense that he even gets to say. Honestly, I actually asked the question in the press conference, and it got ignored.
2: It did get ignored. <laughs> yeah. what, what question did you ask?
1: I asked how much influence he'd have
0: on sign-ins. And they literally just didn't. They went to the next question, or how did well, they? Like how
2: did they play I, out? I
1: asked two questions, and they just answered one of them.
2: Yeah, they mm-hmm. skipped the uh, they skipped the harder question and <laughs> went to the the when is your staff going to be in place? Part of the, this part two, they went with that part.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I think I, I, I'm assuming the three of us are in agreement. This this is all uh, by the power of Zenata at this point, and Oh yeah, and Nico has little to no uh, real influence on any of this stuff.
2: I mean, he's been here like four days, so I mean, and I would expect moves to start happening, you know, soon-ish, like this week. You, you basically have two weeks before Christmas break when we all know that. Everything shuts down in this country, you know, from basically like a week before Christmas till New Year's. That's just how the world works. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you're going to have camps probably open that second week of January. So you literally have three weeks before the uh, business weeks before the season starts, I think, in order to get stuff done. So I would imagine that you're going to see player moves start next week. You know, with the idea, and then probably a couple more after the start of the new year, and that really will be about it. They got a lot of work to do. They got to fill like, well, it depends on who you ask. On my list, they got to fill like ten spots on the (laughs) roster. Uh,
0: And and speaking of filling spots, I am assuming he's also—is he getting any opportunity to hire his own staff, or is he stuck with all of the guys that were left over from Lucci's time here?
2: Yeah, according to my sources, um, he definitely is looking at. The local staff. some of the local staff, there's going to be some level of involvement with some of them. I don't know which ones yet. Um, there also looks like there's going to be some from his previous experience. So it's looking like a mix uh, and something we're going to talk about later. Where there's actually some very specific information that answers that question.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see in, in, uh, you know, the famously crayon written notes here. Yeah. I don't, anything else from the press conferences or, this uh, the the turn on uh, or the, the turn to Nico Estevez that we
2: want to talk about. Um, he he talked a little bit about style, but he um, you know mentioned the national team the way they play, which is this uh, proactive attacking you know possession to get goals, the aggressive defense, which to me means press. Um, and then he said some things about you know he wants the fans to be both enjoy it and be proud of the way they play. You know a lot of it's the typical kind of things you say. The line that actually mattered was he said that players are the most important part, which is true. Um, we talk about it all the time. It's players on the field. So he said he will have to adapt what he wants to do when he actually finds out what he has. Implication being that right now he has no idea what he has and he has to get on the training field with him to find out and then he'll adapt what he wants to do with that, which is a smart way to go about it. When you have a roster that's down at the bottom of the league, you have to figure out what I got and go with, trying and figure out how you can win with it. So Um, the, the, the style and the play and the tech and the tactics are going to be, I think going to be fluid, um, going into the year, you know, we'll have to watch a lot of spring training games and spring training, training to try and figure out how he wants to play, you know, macro level, like the U S plays, but, but more importantly, you know, what do I have the players to do that? And then we'll figure it out from there.
0: Okay. Well, I suppose in the coming weeks we'll learn a lot more about Nico Estevez and uh, the plans going into 2022. And I guess we'll continue to suss out what's going on with uh, Pepe. Uh, And then uh, we also found out that North Texas is moving to MLS Next, which is essentially the thing that we all know at Next Pro. Sorry, MLS Next Pro, which is what, Buzz, you've been talking about forever. Yep. Um, uh, Watching everybody. Uh, freak out over that has been pretty entertaining uh, between that and USL and whatever. I, I, is there anything in about that that we needed to discuss?
2: Well, the only thing that's really interesting is that between that league, it's going to have like 20 something teams in it this first year, and USL 1 is still around with like 10 teams, and NISA is still around. These are all Division 3 with however many <laughs> teams they have. All of a sudden, there's like 45 Division 3 teams in this country. I'm not sure we have players for 45 division three teams. So, you know, North Texas cut down to like, they cut everybody down to like four players. So once again, they're going to completely rebuild that roster like they do every year. We talked about the time frame that you get with North Texas is very, very short. I mean, there's some dudes that signed last year. They got like two months and they're done. You know, the most you're going to get is two years. So they're going to, they're at open tryouts again out there looking for players and they're going to rebuild that thing Again. Poor Quill has to rebuild his team every single year by himself, basically. So, you know, it's going to be, as always, to me, that's a very fun process to watch from the outside. So uh, finding players um, from unusual sources and the fact they cut down to so few players uh, means that next year you might see both more players coming down from from FC Dallas and more Academy guys coming up. Although right now there's not very many Academy guys that are ready for that level. So it's gonna be fun. It'll are be they still
0: playing are they still playing in Arlington next season?
2: Yep. Yeah, one more year to go on that contract. I mean we'll, after that we'll see. But yeah, they got one more year. They've already announced that they are doing it, you know, and they're and they're putting out I mean no one is giving me even the least little bit of a sign that they're changing names to MLS two or anything like that. I mean FCD two or anything like that. You know, they're still North Texas and they're still playing it, uh, they, they are actually officially said that they're still playing over there at, um, at the casino name, um, chair yeah, totally. Choctaw. Thank you. Choctaw. I have my wrong Indian trap. Sorry. Um, yeah. So they're staying put, put. wait,
0: uh, is he, uh, Oh, the, it's not club life field or park anymore.
2: No, it's Choctaw. Choctaw. They named it. They, okay. they, the Rangers cut a deal who are the managers of the building. They cut a deal to sponsor it with one of their big sponsors. I don't know if you've been over to their ballpark. Choctaw is on the wall over there. So
0: and then I am seeing uh, reports that you well, I guess I guess there was some sort of uh, uh, another episode of Dan Hunt confronting the supporters groups. Confronting <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a strong word. Yeah. Huh. Confronting is a sign. Oh yeah, uh, that's not the right word. You know, offering, you know, offering his, reaching out his hand to try to have a conversation with the supporters groups to fix whatever's wrong. And I feel like this is the, you know, at least the fourth episode of this it, since the club took over the uh, team back in two thousand four. Um, and I and I, I, have you guys? Do you know what happened in this in any way, shape, or form?
2: Well, you know, we know people just like, you know, that are they're among the groups that go to these kinds of things that the hardcore supporters groups and, uh, you know, we as media don't go to this kind of thing, but, um, you know, people text us and shoot us notes and, um, we have gotten a little bit of information out of the event. So keep in mind that we're all, this is all paraphrasing from people that were there, but, um, Dan talked quite a bit, um, about some interesting things, you know, he, Dan hunt. He, Dan hunt yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, some things that to me are fascinating, like that we have four to five open roster spots. It's really more like 10, but he says four to five. So maybe they got things lined up. Um, he specifically said they have um, three open international spots uh, right now and that they were going to acquire or had acquired maybe one more. I don't remember what the exact word was because, you know, this is being passed on um, that they had two youth spots open, which I think he's not counting as uh, among that four to five. So that's where his math and mine are probably different Um, that they have one DP spot open, which we knew, but that they were trying to work something internally to make another spot. And that to me, that statement, um, you know, through a third party is fascinating. Cause like, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean Tam Gam buy down? Does that mean we're trading a guy Does that mean we're going to do a DP buyout and open up a spot? I mean, there's like four or five ways you could do something internally to open up a DCV spot. So uh, that's a fascinating idea, Um, the best of which might be to clear off your $3 million guy or because of something else he apparently said, which was that it was a mistake to sell Tiago Santos Maybe there's a recognition. I mean, that to me is like, I mean, listen, we all think that. We've said that all year. Yeah. But for him no, to admit that's... that is is huge. Even if it's to your hardcore supporters, still you admitted that to people that will talk. Right. You know, because those people in that room are going to talk. It's clearly because we're having that conversation. But to me, like, that's really telling that you admit that that was a problem. Okay, maybe... Uh, Facundo Quinone is an issue. Maybe that's a guy you're trying to figure out a way to get out of. And maybe that's a, a route you're going to improve that spot and get it back to a Grezo type level. So just in terms of roster, like those five or six things are the bread and butter for me. I love that stuff. Um, and, and it mostly lines up with what we knew, other than the idea of they're going to try and open up a DP spot, which is exciting. If you, uh, why bother unless you're going to try and fill it? So that's that could be fun. See what happens with that. Uh I was somebody gonna say something? Sorry, I heard no, I was pausing, waiting for you.
0: Oh okay in. Anything else I mean did, uh, did they make any promises to fix the marketing? Did they uh, sure I, like
2: what else I yeah the, these are the things that are less fascinating to me, but um, apparently they uh, you know this comes back to the idea that they're gonna hire this uh, VP of marketing that's supposed to come in within the next month or two. Um he, he promised, um, apparently promised a double or triple marketing budget, which comes back to keeping Peppy. It's now fifteen dollars. You know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but they he also talked a lot of apparently about um capital investment. Like they know um there were there were conversations apparently about game day experience and concessions not being good enough and and sh- needing shade for tailgating and for in the stands and and bathroom upgrading being needed. You know, a lot of this stuff we've been hearing for years and years and years. But, you know, as as long as the Hunts keep talking about capital infusion, you know, and the idea that um, they keep all the money again, and this is why it's likely they might sell Pepe, of course, was because if they want to do all these things or trying to build an audience, it's like that money from Pepe might go into these kinds of things because they don't want to spend their own money, <laughs> you know. But again, the Hunts recognize, it seems, by their behavior that they put money in things that are long-lasting facilities and programs and not players, as we've seen a million times. So all that lines up um, uh, in, in ways that fit the Hunt style, the idea that, uh, you know, stadium is worth investing in and, and game day experience is worth investing in. And and, and and I know, Peter, you've heard this story a million times. For them to sit there and tell the supporters once again that they've made mistakes and they're going to get it fixed, that's a story we've heard a million times. So I, I don't know that you have that you believe it's going to change, you know. But no, I. You hope it is, you know.
0: Well, I mean, you, uh, I. There are people that are uh, in charge. Everybody that takes charge of a supporters group always has the best intention. They are always the salt of the earth people, and they have nothing uh, but they want the best for this club. And time and time again, the Hunt family. Just, you know, crushes their spirit and and a, a somewhere along the way, somebody from the club comes out and sometimes it's Dan, sometimes it's somebody else from the front office that has a meeting with the w- with these groups of people and they make a ton of promises and, and everybody leaves the yeah. meeting feeling OK or, you know, kind of confused as to what they just experienced. Uh, and then nothing really changes, and you know, and I, yeah. I, I've seen this happen so many times in the last twenty five years with this club, but a specific, but specifically dating back to, uh, you know, the South Lake situation, um, uh, and I, I just I until I actually see it, I just tend to believe that it's just hot air, you know? And that's why I, that's why I feel bad for the people that go to this thing and express themselves and and put themselves out there because I just kind of know what's going, what's coming.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. The the only thing different was that um, somebody who's been around a little bit told me that he uh, at least talked about supporters culture being like the most important uh, thing in the building for in terms of like selling people that it's fun and crazy and they want, you know, a big supporters and I feel like that's a tiny bit different but I'm uh, like you it's like there's always been a lot of promise and and suggestions and then and then actual budgets get in the way or the poor execution gets in the way so um I'm not optimistic that any of these promises about cor- hi puppy <laughs> so uh, let me try and pick that up hold on so, I, like you, Peter, I'm not super confident that um, any of these promises or are going to come to fruition. And, and you know, th- these meetings are the bulk of it are like that. Like, you know, the clubs or their supporters are giving them, the club, a list of all these things they want. And the club's like, oh, yeah, we can do all this stuff. And then they do, like, one thing or, no, you know, it's – but, you know, th- there are one or two more things he said that are kind of interesting that have to do with players. And that's what I thought was the funnest part. Like what? Well – um so according to some, one person I talked to, apparently some people were like it, uh, it makes me mad when I see these guys playing for other teams in the league that used to play for us, and so Dan Hunt said that um, for example, he said with Zimmerman he said Zimmerman told the club that he would never re-sign as long as Oscar was head coach, that he would just let his contract run out and walk, I, I had not heard that before, so that's kind of fascinating I mean, obviously,
0: that's that's actually good uh, additional information for what we've all known forever, which was Oscar and Zimmerman had a falling out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't just Oscar. It was both of them, for whatever reason, oil and water, those two guys. Uh, And then this one I thought was really fascinating. And uh, hopefully my translating person got this correct, because he says that Dan Hunt said that FC Dallas offered Barrios a deal and that Barrios turned it down and asked for more money and more years, which is what I told you would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then so they went ahead and traded him because they were like, well, no, we can't do that. So they traded him and he ended up signing for Colorado less than what Dallas offered him, which I thought was, I mean, he rolled the dice and missed it. So the important part of that is that, uh, as I suggested, Barros was going to want money in years that were going to make it prohibitive for him to be retained. And that's exactly what the situation was. And the—and you can comment on that in a second. The very last one was that apparently Hunt said that they have pending litigation in the FIFA court about non-payment from various Transfers, so <laughs> which is not <laughs> not surprising, but you know apparently it's not just Reggie that's not they're not getting the money for. It. So Dan yeah. Hunt, I got
0: some invoices uh, uh, out there that are yeah. uh, you know exceeding one hundred and twenty days.
2: Uh, yeah, due cash so. receivable. So I, yeah. again, like I said, a lot of that is third party, but it's people we trust. You know that they're that are heavily invested in the club, and so a lot of that is like as you say, Peter. A lot of it is talking through. Promises and promises, and so, oh, we're so tired of hearing these promises. But then there, the things about the roster and the things about the players, to me, that, those are things that jump out it and I'm fascinated by. And, um, and and as always, I really hope that someday they do come through because they need to be work with supporters. The supporters can be your best asset, the hardcore the supporters groups. They can be your best asset if you work with them. You need to say, how do we help you? How do we make this great? Not how do you stamp it down and make it, tame you know and that's Mm -hmm. I mean we all pray that someday that'll that'll change and maybe we're going to see that change but I'm not holding my breath sorry
0: Uh, Dan you're typically our source for all things supporters groups is there anything else you'd like to throw in here based on I was holding my breath then sorry (laughs) Um, I think
1: there was uh, was a bit of talk about uh, an addition to the coaching
0: stuff
2: Hmm. What'd you get there, Dan? I didn't get that one. Um, a throw in
0: coach? Set piece coach? The
1: uh, Someone said that Dan said Nico is bringing over a coach from La Liga that they were finalizing the paperwork.
2: Oh, just one? Well, there you go, Peter, in terms of your staff composition. Yeah. One guy from overseas, and, and we'll see.
0: All
2: right. Yeah. I, I, well, I would expect the only other thing is like, it's not necessarily from that meeting, but based on. The urgency of the time frame and the staff being put together, and the idea of, and a couple of things you hear chatter wise. Uh, I would expect moves to start happening next week. Um, player you know, moves. once player moves, because once we get through MLS Cup and get through the expansion draft, it all happens within a couple of days. Right after that, you should see because then they'll know exactly where they are in terms so of roster, you know, be that
1: one. In- half day trading window immediately yeah. after that you get
2: through that little trading window if they do something there and then right after that is when you're going to start to hear i think you know uh announcements and, and player moves and and of course nothing can be official until january unless the player's already out of contract or the, the, the team that these with says oh yeah go ahead like like um uh, facundo's guys did where they were like a couple weeks earlier they were like yeah just go dude so you know we'll see but um Expect camp to open up, you know, early January. I mean, really, we're basically a month away from camp's opening, so it's got to be fast. Um, hey, by the way, I was just wondering: has uh, the
0: Matthew Cochran stuff that we've been hearing uh, bantied about the last couple of weeks
2: ever gone anywhere? Have they announced made that announcement yet? They've not made that announcement. Um, I got conflicting info that he either had picked a team. Oh, by the the information I'm getting from multiple people is that he's doing the Jogo route, which he's gonna go to USL championship and sign with one of those teams for a couple of years. So I either had heard from one guy that he was he had picked a team and then I heard from another guy that so no, no it's down to three teams. I, I don't I don't know officially beyond that clearly he's leaving and clearly he's going that um, that route of sign the professional deal with a USL team who are much more willing to uh, give you this opportunity to play and let you out in a couple of years. Now, the trick, of course, is that you have to then go dominate. If you don't perform, you're screwed. Because even if someone promises you that, like, let's say you have a relationship with a team already, you know, and you've got something lined up at 18, they're like, yeah, you're in at 18, done. Well, if you go stink for two years or three years in the USL championship, that you didn't sign nothing. You were a kid, you know, hey, good luck, buddy. You know, so mm-hmm. you got to, you got to, you got you to, gotta, he's betting on himself. And it's going to be on him now, you know, because it's whatever USL organizations. Now, some of those teams are great with development. You know, you better pick the right team. You better pick the right coach. You know, have some assurances. You're going to get the opportunity. And now, Jonathan Gomez went to Lou City where Hackworth he had a relationship with. And that kid delivered because that did a legit talent. We've been talking about him big time. Now, so is Corcoran. But Corcoran's, as I've told you guys before, Corcoran's greatness is his mind and his touch and game reading. It's not his... But you know, he doesn't have this world beater athleticism that like uh, that Gomez has or Brian Reynolds had or whatever. It's a different kind of guy, he's a mind guy, a mental guy. You know, you never know when you get hit the level where all of a sudden that's not enough. So, um, the kid is a phenomenal player, as good as a player as I've ever seen in the academy. At what point does the physical become more than he can handle? I have no idea, but we're going to find out because it sounds like he's going that championship route. All right,
0: how about breaking Kit Talk news? Oh,
2: you have some breaking Kit Talk? I would don't you, have any Would you any like
0: time? some breaking Kit I are, are, are you guys good with that? Are you okay with oh. me calling an audible and going oh. to Kit Talk, breaking Kit Talk?
2: Oh, I'm I'm not very excited about this Fire idea. the fire the sounder. Oh, oh do we, we have a <laughs> no,
0: We don't have that. Uh, <laughs>
1: fire the sounders, they're already out of the playoffs. Oh yeah. No. No, no. Yeah, right. Okay.
0: Uh boy, we've gotten hokey. <laughs> uh, while you were speaking, Buzz, Major League mm. Soccer has revealed the jerseys and kits for Carolina Football Club. Oh. Now, if you'll remember, back in early November, somebody posted on uh, social media a photo that they had spotted a jersey That kind of look like essentially a traditional arsenal adidas jersey with white sleeves but instead of being red bodied it was kind of a light royal blue color at least in this picture right well we you know uh it turns out that that is almost what this looks like now in typical mls soccer uh marketing fashion there are photos floating around so the video presents this Jersey as almost exactly what you saw in the photo from back in November, except there are stripes in the collar that were not in that Jersey. And the color, at least in the video appears to be almost like this electric teal blue light, teal blue color. Mm-hmm. But then they posted photos, which are just photos without filtering and effects on it that make it just look like a, a light blue Jersey.
1: Carolina blue, Carolina, Carolina blue. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can I explain the stripes and the collar? By all means. So, is
0: this the difference between is this the difference between a replica and an authentic?
1: Yeah, the ones I showed in that picture in November had the the straight cut on the bottom, which is the replica jersey. Uh-huh. Uh The uh, uh, Adidas Authentics have that kind of weird tailored cut that gives you like a mm-hmm. a jersey that hangs three feet below your ass. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where you get the striped collar.
0: Okay. I will say, uh, I find the little secondary crest for the club that is in the nape of the jersey, it's, it's somewhat unstable. Now, I did not know that the three-letter abbreviation for Charlotte was CLT, but when you look at that very quickly, if you're a sophomore-minded person like me, you quickly giggle to yourself because you think it says something else.
1: Hey, do, you, do you remember that moment in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? <laughs> uh, when uh
0: you know the moment, yeah, yeah <laughs> but yeah uh. you get what I mean, like I'm yeah. the kid that wanted to go on the street signs and put a p in front of the 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 uh, sit, the markers that said that the town of Ennis was uh thirteen yard thirteen miles away, so Yes, yeah. you know where I'm coming from.
2: Oh, the minute they announced that secondary logo, people started making that joke and that that was their trico. People started making that joke. I mean, it was like it's it's so obvious. I didn't say I was
0: original buzz.
2: No, I, no, I agree with you. Like, like if you just saw that now, your instantaneous reaction is the sophomore reaction. Dude, that's the reaction everybody had. <laughs> it's pretty blatant. Yeah, it's hard not to make that reaction when, they, when everybody sees it. Yeah, it's bad. It's, it's a bad a, combo. It's a bad choice.
0: It, it is an odd, an odd choice. Okay. So when you see the video, the Jersey is not actually electric, t- uh, aqua blue. It's a more ca- traditional Carolina blue. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a terrible shirt. It's kind of a standard, uh, you know, cookie cutter design. It's not the worst thing. I hope they wear it with white shorts, but they, yeah, were.
2: This, this is the one that we joked, uh, uh well, not joked, but said it looks like an old tornado Jersey, you know, yeah. and and have fun with that. Not we don't think that we're getting a tornado jersey here, but you know, it's it, it basically looks just like an old tornado jersey. Uh,
0: okay. So I think we've pounded through everything. Yeah. Uh I just wanna say in summation, I, I I really uh, i'm I hope nobody listens to my comments about going to listen to the meeting with Dan if you're one of the people from the supporters groups as a negative. I understand why you go to that. Uh, I appreciate you and I value you. I hope you found that to be a good use of your time and that something progressive comes out of it. I'm just jaded and old, and I tend to assume the worst, and I apologize for that. but uh, i I hope that whatever they told you, uh, that gave you hope or, uh, or whatever, uh, was beneficial. And I hope by all accounts that turned out to be a good meeting for everybody.
2: Yeah. How many times have we said, or at least I've said that they often have decent ideas, but their execution is terrible. And it's going to be another case where there's lots of gut ideas that I'm sure got thrown around in that thing. Um, you know, I'm sure the sports had some, I'm sure they had some, and I bet you none of them happened how we think they're going to be any good
0: would the latest example of that be the uh the marketing the the material that they put in the email with the quote from the new head Mm. coach that was not proofread and oddly worded that was bad and completely uh inconsistent with anything having to do with how this uh club and team and front office connects to the community
2: yeah two connects to the community i thought of one more thing to tell you peter um somebody mentioned that uh apparently dan han agree with you that the stage looks awful oh that my. they need to do something with that see that's <laughs> yeah. just
0: more evidence that dan needs to come on the kick around because i have a feeling that if oh, dan he yeah. would just freely come on and have an open conversation he and i would be the best of buds we would we would find more in common we'd find so much common ground uh we'd, we'd be like uh pinky swear buddies but yeah for whatever Maybe reason we'll take you to
1: the petroleum club afterwards
0: <laughs> i don't want to be the go to the petroleum club i just wanted to come on my radio show so that we can have an honest conversation about how he and his brother have chosen to run their business and 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 you know what he could teach me so many things because at the end of the day, it's like I was saying to somebody else the other day, I, I know why they have these sessions, but I also at the same time don't know why he puts himself through sitting in front of all those people who are going to do nothing and yell at him. But I also believe in my heart that he and his brother only know and expect all sport, uh, pro sports fans to be like Kansas City Chiefs sport fans, right? Yeah. That's what that's what they grew up knowing. That's what they understand that that's what they believe in. And they just assume everybody else is going to be a fan like those diehard, always faithful, never turn their back, bitch about little Kansas City Chiefs fans. And and, and, And that's what I think they expect. That's why I'm always surprised that he does this, because I think he's just setting himself up for getting yelled at for an hour and a half.
2: I've come to believe over the years that he genuinely wants to do well by the club and by the fans. Again, it's, it's just execution. You know, it's like, I, I think that in his heart, he really wants to make everybody happy and make all the fans happy and build this great club. And it's just, just doesn't know how to do it. You know, as you say, they're, they're not, it's outside their comfort zone. It's not what they know how to do. They know how to run a football team, an NFL team, not a soccer team, you know, and bands, trying, you know, I'm not saying he's very good at it, but you know, I think he genuinely wants to do well. I don't think he's an owner that doesn't care. I definitely think he cares I and mean, he's up in that office every day. You know, it's, it could be, it needs to be a lot better. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the, the complaint I would not make is not heart and not caring. And I think that's why he does them is he really wants people to like them and think they do good things, even though they don't.
0: Okay. Anything else? We need to speak about today on this episode of the podcast.
2: No, that's, I, you know, there's not a whole lot going on in the winter from here through Christmas. So let's, if we got anything else, let's save it because that's a lot already. Yeah. Sidekicks are well, still terrible.
0: Well, that's true. <laughs> well, oy vey. all right. Well, here we go. Third Degree, of the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Soccer 90 is your source for all things FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear, everything from jerseys. Scarves, tees, and more. All third degree listeners receive 25% sign off all of their gear when you use the code third degree at checkout on soccer90.com. Dan, thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you. And thank you for remembering
1: that because after uh, what, uh, about 100 and t- 102 minutes or so, I didn't remember that you were going to do that.
0: And did it uh, fulfill all your greatest holiday wishes and dreams? And then some. <laughs> Mission accomplished. And thank you, my friend Buzz, as always. Enjoy yeah. doing this. Uh, and uh, I'm sure – are we doing another one
2: next week? Yeah, we'll do every we week. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah by, we're going by, by next week, we should have some coaching staff decided and probably some player moves decided to talk about. All right. All right. Well,
0: thank you, FC Dallas curious fan. We'll speak to you as we said next week on another episode of Third Degree the podcast. All right, Peter Third degree. The Third Degree the podcast. Third degree. The Third Degree podcast. Third degree. The Third Degree the podcast. Third
1: degree. The Third Degree, podcast. Third degree the third degree podcast.